0: of christ be with you you. let's turn and greet one another we welcome you to laguna presbyterian church on this palm sunday especially if you're visiting with us today we would love to have you take the friendship pad and fill it out and uh, let us know that you're with us the friendship pad's a black folder it's on each pew near the center aisle um today that there are lots of moving parts today including that you probably have a palm so As you see, we're going to wave them during the Praise God and Singing part of the service this morning. So, I'm waving mine. Don't make me be the only one. There are lots of things happening, including that our youth, uh, we will be commissioning them in the second service for their mission trip to Molokai during their spring break. And they are having a Molokai bake sale on the patio this morning, so you can contribute to their trip uh, by contributing out there, by buying some of their goodies. There are also two ways today to contribute to disaster uh, relief. One is through the One Great Hour of Sharing uh, offering that is an envelope that is in your bulletin. The other is that our mission team is going to be at the outreach cart on the patio today and you can give to more local disaster relief out there and find out about the possibility of going on a disaster relief trip to Houston or to some other areas. Also today we have uh, at each one of the doors our prayer guide for this time of transition during the time between now and when Jerry retires Uh, our worship team has put together this wonderful prayer guide there is a way to pray each week and if you pick this up uh, you'll find it a wonderful guide it fits in your Bible and you can use it throughout these coming weeks also we have Easter lilies that you can dedicate for next Sunday which is Easter Sunday morning. There's a place to do that, probably at the donut cart this morning. That makes all sorts of sense. Uh, But since there are no donuts, but you could sign up for an Easter lily at the donut cart. This week is Holy Week. And if you come to services just today and next Sunday on Easter, you get the two high points of celebration. But this is a week to walk with Jesus through what he walked through this week, to come on Thursday night and sit at his table, the Last Supper table, on Friday to stand at the foot of the cross, and then Sunday morning to come and celebrate his resurrection. So we invite you to be with us Thursday night and Friday night at 7. And notice that Easter Sunday morning the services are at 8, 9.30, and 11. There is no service at 8.30 next Sunday morning. If you come at 8.30, you will be late. And you'll miss a lot of good stuff. Um, our third Friday group invites you to join them on April 20th. They're taking sign-ups this morning. It is a potluck, and they're listening to Brenda Wells, who founded an organization that is fighting human trafficking in mm. Southern California. Our children are signing up for a Vacation Bible School and for Camp H2O. And there is a Red Cross blood drive that is just a few days after Easter. So next Sunday will not be a day for much announcements. So be sure that you sign up for that Red Cross blood drive today. Also, we have a grief support group that begins eight days after Easter, the Monday, a week after Easter, at, in the afternoon. It is a wonderful group, and I've heard from many people that it's, a, um, it's been very, very helpful in their own grief. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
1: Lord Jesus Christ, you journeyed with your disciples up to the holy city Jerusalem. You taught them along the way what it meant to follow you and for you to be with them. Teach us this morning the truth of your word. Empower the preaching of the good news, we ask. Anoint us with the Holy Spirit as we lift our praises in word and in song and celebration as we travel with you. We pray in your name. Amen.
2: Please join me for our call to worship. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion.
0: Shout aloud,
3: O daughter Jerusalem.
2: Lo, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious is he.
3: Humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey.
2: King Jesus comes, King Jesus, son of God, son of man, Messiah.
3: Hail, King Jesus, King of all.
2: Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord.
3: Hosanna Hosanna in in the highest.
2: Let us stand and worship the Lord together.
0: like the people who greeted Jesus and, as he entered Jerusalem and then later shouted, crucify him. We are fickle people who often deny Christ in our thoughts and words and deeds. Remembering the events of Jesus last week helps us see ourselves as we truly are. Sinners in need of a savior, a savior thank God that we have in Christ. So let us pray. Jesus, our Lord, we shout hosannas to praise you. With eager hands, we place our cloaks and palms on the path before you. Yet we confess that the mouths that seek to praise you often deny or defy you. And we confess that the hands that seek to serve you often become fists. Lord, have mercy on us as we confess to you the truth about ourselves. For we pray through Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For Christ Christ came into into the world, world, not not to to condemn condemn the the world, world, but that the the world through him should should be be saved. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk walk in in love as Christ Christ loved us us, and and gave himself up for us. us a fragrant fragrant offering offering and and sacrifice sacrifice to God. God. Hosanna. Amen. Amen.
2: True?
1: open your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Mark. We're in the middle of the journey that Jesus took with his disciples from Galilee up to Judea and into Jerusalem by way of Jericho. Begin reading at verse uh, 32 of chapter 10. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. That's not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, Let me see again. Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. And when they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found the colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. And then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead of those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. (coughs) Blessed is the one, is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven!" And then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we lift our hearts up to you this morning. We are so grateful that you chose to journey with your disciples and with the crowds up to Jerusalem for the celebration of Passover. This morning we journey with you, and we listen to your word, and we are caught up into the drama of this story. Help us to hear it in a new way, and to respond in faith, hope, and love, we ask in your name. Amen. I feel well, it's just my voice for some reason. 2008, the group, we took a group to the Holy Land. Some of you were with us. But one of the things we missed on that trip was we were not allowed to go into Jericho. That city that sits just above the Dead Sea and the Jordan River. 800 feet below sea level. Just above the Dead Sea at 1,200 feet below sea level the lowest elevation on planet Earth. So you can imagine what the weather would be like, not unlike the Mojave Desert or Death Valley. But Jericho is a Palestinian city, and the state of Israel at that time felt it was too dangerous for tourist groups to go into Jericho. And so we skirted the old city that was founded in 10,000 B.C., where humans first settled down and began to grow crops. The gate to, gateway to the Holy Land, to the Promised Land from the East. We skirted around it. And so this last year when we were on the tour in May, we, one of the things I insisted on with the tour company was that they take us into Jericho. And that our group be allowed to see some of the biblical sites that are so important and some of the archaeological digs that have really been informative in our understanding of life in the Jordan Valley. As the bus moved through Jericho and we had a chance to see where Zacchaeus climbed the tree and to look up into the hills around the amount of temptation for jesus and all that it was very important and finally we turned around the bus was leaving jericho moving at moderate speed and suddenly i realized seated on the front row of the bus was on this two lane road this way there were two cars racing One coming right for a head-on collision with the bus. (laughs) And I thought for sure that one of them who was being passed would pull off the road or slow down and let the guy get by. But then it became clear to me that that was not the intention of either one of the drivers. All kinds of snapshots and memories and thoughts and anxieties and fears began to flow through my mind. I thought to myself, this is the last place I want to die on the road to Jericho. Maybe he was simply intimidating a group of tourists. We don't know. We'll never know. But just before we had this head-on collision, The guy in our lane pulled into the gravel on the side and missed us by two or three feet. I found myself praying this prayer of Bartimaeus Lord, have mercy upon us and deliver us from this danger. Thanks be to God, we were delivered. But there have been many pilgrims on that road at various high holy days in the life of Israel. Passover celebrations, pilgrims came down that Jordan Valley to make the turn in the road off the same road we were on to go up to Jerusalem 20 miles above at 3,000 feet above sea level, a trail of switchbacks, a steep climb in the heat of the day, a dangerous place where robbers were inclined to hide and to ambush pilgrims on their way to the holy city. In reading the narrative of Mark and the other Gospels, it is clear that the disciples, the 12, were experiencing many things on that journey. They were thinking, they were processing, they were feeling, and they had some awareness of danger, and they encountered people along the way like Zacchaeus, the wealthy man, the tax collector who had ripped off his people and was considered a betrayer. They moved through Jericho after Jesus spent the night in Zacchaeus' home and transformed Zacchaeus' life. And. And then they begin that journey outside of Jericho up to Jerusalem but just to the side of the road was a man, a blind man named Bartimaeus, seated and he was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. I began to ask myself in processing and dialoguing with this story, what is it that the disciples were feeling? What is it that they were thinking? and how are they similar to us? And one of the first things that the text tells us is that they were amazed, but not just amazed, they were afraid. They were amazed with the rich young ruler had come to Jesus and was ready to follow Jesus but when Jesus said take your money that you've accumulated in your property sell it give it to the poor and come follow me I think they were deeply troubled and they wanted to hold on to the guy but Jesus stood there and watched him as he walked away under the claims of the kingdom of God and that's the way it can be the claim the call to follow Jesus on the road. Can become amazing for us and deeply troubling, and can fill us with fear about our own well being, about what it means to follow Jesus. And what was even troubling, more troubling to them as they went along in this journey, was the message that Jesus taught and proclaimed repeatedly he came back to this same theme it's necessary for the son of man to go up to Jerusalem and you need to know that when we arrive I will be arrested and put on trial and convicted and spat upon and mocked and killed but on the third day I will be alive again What Jesus was preparing them for was the message of the cross that the church has lived under all these centuries. The cross was simply a place of execution of common criminals. And Jesus was saying, this is my destiny, and if you're going to have life, you've got to be prepared to lose your life in following me. You have to take up your cross and follow me. And if you're not willing to do that, you may be the wealthiest person in the world, but if you're not willing to surrender everything about yourself and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. And that frightened them. We live in a generation of fear and anxiety. And oftentimes we do not know how to respond to it and perhaps we insulate ourselves from all the messages that come to us, all the things that threaten us. And We come to church on Palm Sunday and we begin to reflect upon what the message of Palm Sunday is all about. Three or four weeks ago a pastor from our presbytery um, on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of our presbytery interviewed me Since I'm one of the long-timers in this presbytery they wanted to get it on video, they asked me about what my hope for the church was and what the message of the church is all about in this troubled time in which the church has, since 1983, diminished from about our denomination from about 4.3 million to just about a million members. This past week, Skip Hilliwell from the Laguna Beach uh, Independent, the Indy, interviewed me in regard to my retirement. And it's one of the questions that he raised me, what's with me, what's the hope of the church? In this time of chaos, spiritual, political, economic, religious, What do we have to say to a world that is spinning out of control? And being a scientist and an engineer, he, he started talking with me about chaos theory. He suggested that chaos can only be organized and ordered, which is at the heart of every Presbyterian doing everything decently in order. What is it that we have to contribute to this world that's in such chaos? And the only answer I could give to him and to my pastor friend in these interviews was simply that the church has to rediscover the authority of its message and be prepared to be countercultural and to stand up for the values and the spirituality of the kingdom of God rather than just going along with the winds of our culture being blown about by every wind and doctrine. The chaos is to be ordered. The pillar of that new order must be the cross of Jesus Christ planted at the center of human history. So we cannot neglect talking about what was happening to Jesus on the way up to Jerusalem and what he would meet there and what he suffered there. This is the good news. While we were yet sinners Christ died for the ungodly. People like you and me sinners saved by the grace of God once I was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see. The disciples were amazed and they were afraid. But like us, they were also ambitious. It's fascinating that right along in this journey up to Jerusalem through Jericho, the one subject they really want to talk about is which one of them is the greatest. And when Jesus comes into his kingdom, will, they, will he allow a couple of them, two brothers, James and John, to sit at the left, the right of Jesus, in his kingdom. All the way to the Lord's Supper on Monday, Thursday, as Jesus was breaking the bread and pouring out the wine into the cup, the body and the blood of Christ, around that table that we love to see, the da Vinci painting. We celebrate it every year at the pageant. We've often wondered, what are they talking about around the table? And they, what they were talking about is which one of them was the greatest. We're ambitious for our lives, too. In the midst of the chaos, somehow we hope to survive the chaos and work our way up to positions of security, of honor, of power, of recognition. So we find ourselves struggling with all of these dimensions of the human heart that is so centered on itself and so narcissistic and so interested in defining reality on its own terms that it cannot see the great reality of the kingdom of heaven. We are ambitious, and ambition is important. But more important, sanctified ambition, ambition ambition-harnessed, to the spirituality of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God that Jesus modeled. I think the disciples were in a hurry to get up to Jerusalem not just to escape the hot air of the middle part of the day as important as that was. They knew every step they took up that winding road they'd meet cooler air. And so they started early and they it was they were going for it. And then the voice started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And one of the disciples whispered to the other, shut him up. No delay. Let's move on. we got to get to our destination. And the man cried out again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon me. The blind beggar, Bartimaeus, crying out, because he knew something about Jesus. He knew he'd touched the blind before, that he had compassion for the powerless. And the text tells us that Jesus stood still. That's one of the most remarkable parts of this story that Jesus heard, heard him, and it stopped him in his tracks. He stood still. And he listened. Along the way, he had told the story of the Good Samaritan, the two rabbis going up to Jerusalem, or which was it, down to Jericho, up to Jerusalem, I think, for religious responsibilities and seeing a man lying in the gutter, beaten up and robbed and left for dead, and they passed on by because they didn't have time to Stop. Then along came the Samaritan, the half-breed Jew, the hated one, the heretic, who saw through the eyes of compassion and stopped. He stood still and investigated, discovered the man was alive and picked him up and ministered to his wounds and carried him to the nearest hospital, paid his bill and followed up. The question that Jesus had, which one of these three men proved to be neighbor, the good neighbor. And of course the answer was, the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. Mercy was at the heart of Jesus. And somewhere along that road, I believe, that Jesus is stopping and saying to the man, go, your faith has made you well. It so touched the lives of those disciples that they found themselves in a deeper place of transformation, of becoming like Jesus. And their spirit spirit of of amazement, of, of being afraid and of ambitious began to be transformed into adoration, ready to worship this one, so when they arrived in jerusalem <clears throat> the city welcomed him the disciples who journeyed with him were leading the celebration they put their cloaks on the road they cut leafy branches as we have and placed on the road And they were proclaiming him as the king. Hosanna in the highest. The spirit of adoration and of praise for this man who had touched their lives and given them hope and mediated the mercy of God to them. We're in that march up to Jerusalem. Maybe we call it the march (coughs) for our lives. We watched the television marches of young people, students in Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles and Denver and other places yesterday protesting gun violence. And all of us know we've become an armed camp. And assault rifles that are machine guns intended to be used in the field of battle are everywhere, from Los Angeles to Las Vegas to Washington, D.C., to every state in the Union. And we wonder what is the answer, and these young people, even though we might consider some of their cries to be naive. Nevertheless, they sit beside the roads of our lives, crying out, have mercy upon us. We have experienced the evil of the world. And are you so impotent you cannot do anything about it? The hardness of political pressure may not work at all. But what is needed deep in the heart of America and our world is the healing of that deep fear and anxiety about our well-being. To go up to Jerusalem with Jesus is to go with the Prince of Peace who lays down his life in an act of mercy to make atonement for our sins and to heal the nations. I want to march with Jesus, but it's risky business because not everybody agrees. The reporter asked me, how is it that you've been able to survive in Laguna Beach as a pastor for 40 plus years with the swirling chaos of the issues of our world? The only answer I could give was by clinging to the cross of Jesus and seeking to follow as faithfully as I can and as we can the claims of the gospel which are the hope of the world and the healing of the world for all the issues that we confront. Pray with me. Oh Lord we adore you. We love you. You have claimed our lives. We belong to you, body and soul, in life and in death, and nothing can separate us from your love. Make us unafraid to take the journey up to Ju- up to Jerusalem,
3: mm-hmm.
1: to bear the cross to love one another, to hear the cry of the world, to respond in mercy to the need that is all around us for forgiveness, for healing of our bodies and minds, for the transformation of our culture and the life of the nations. This we pray in your name. Amen. We receive the morning offering and along with it, in addition, is our one great hour of sharing offering to help with disaster relief around the world. Let us worship God.
3: Since the sorrow unfolds
2: us pray. We thank you, Father, for all of your blessings and for the working of your Spirit who causes us to give and to give generously. We praise you, O God, for the compassionate love we have seen in our Lord Jesus, that love that will not give up on us. Your love for us was demonstrated in that while we were yet sinners, while we were unworthy of your love, you loved us, and you demonstrated that love in the most vivid way possible. This holy week, as we remember that Christ took upon himself the sins of the whole world, we pray that we might be given the grace to accept the suffering and burden of our brothers and sisters around the world as our own. The Lord looked upon the city, and he wept. And so we pray for the nations and neighborhoods in which we live. We pray for peace in war-torn areas of our world. We pray for the poor nations of the world, the hungry and the thirsty, to receive relief. We pray for the persecuted to find relief, refuge, and strength. And we pray for your church to recognize you, alive and active in the world, to follow you wholeheartedly to the glory and for the sake of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Amen.
1: Lord Jesus Christ, you hung between heaven and earth alone for me and for us, for this world, because God so loved the world that he gave his only Son to purchase our salvation, to reconcile us to the Father and us to one another, to fill us with a life-transforming power of mercy, Help us to march, not just for our lives, but for the life of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.